I want to talk about how fear can enslave us. But I'm not talking about the things that are normally classed as fear, like fear of the dark, fear of heights, fear of all that stuff. I'm talking about just the fear when we're in church and, and somebody starts talking about a, a, a doctrine, a teaching that's a little bit outside of where we have been, all, and this fear seems to stop us from receiving. And I saw that personally, and I'm still seeing it once in a while. We're back in the early uh, 70s, late 60s, 70s, there was the charismatic movement where the, the Holy Spirit was being introduced into many, many churches, many people's lives. But I witnessed firsthand, a witness back there. I was from an evangelical woman that never heard of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, never talked about the Holy Spirit. We knew he was there. We weren't quite sure, I guess. But I started to witness after I'd received that, just the fear that some people have because, oh, I never heard that before. And so I was in that place for a while before I actually broke through where I said to myself, my, I went to a good church, an evangelical church. I, I had godly parents that read the scriptures to me and prayed with me, uh, family altar and stuff, but I um, never heard of this before. So I put up a barrier against it, but a precious brother who was very patient with me uh, worked it through and, and, and for a number of months, and then the Lord broke through with the truth, and it changed my life. Now, every move of the Spirit that I've read about, I've read about some of the revivals uh, around the world, and I see two reactions. One is acceptance. I assume that those who are hungry for more of God, uh, and then the other group is a group that um, they have fear that comes from a religious spirit that knows this person is in danger if he receives us because if, he, if the Holy Spirit's allowed into his life, he will start to do things that are contrary to what the, the, the religious spirit wants to do. The only solution to allow the demon to remain is to use fear to get the person away from the person that's ministering the Holy Spirit. I've seen that many times. I had a, an experience. We had property with the ministry a number of years back. And a, a young pastor that I knew quite well was pastoring in a church as a youth pastor. And he wanted to know if he could do kind of a field trip with us for a week where they would come and, and do some upgrades and some repairs to the property that we owned. And I said, that would be very interesting. And it was from a church that was not open to the Holy Spirit, far from it as a matter of fact. And so they, but I let them come anyway because he was, he was open to it, but they'd hired him in that church. He was hoping to make a difference. They came, and the, and the first day they were there on the Monday, they came on Sunday night, and one of the ladies that had uh, talked him into this was from his congregation, and she had been to one of our seminars and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So she said to me, I'd like you on Monday night to take this group of workers after we're after dinner and teach them on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I said, I don't think that's wise because I know their church stands against it. It's not wise. She said, no, no, they'll be okay. They're open. And so she convinced the pastor, convinced me. And so I did, started this teaching. Well, I'll tell you, flares went up. People started to object to what I was saying. 
I could read the scriptures and they would object to that scripture. I would say, well, here it is right here. What I've said, here is the scripture. They would, no, our church doesn't teach that. And they read, and that week turned out to be a cold week. They did a good job of repairing, actually put in a roof on and did a wonderful work. But there was a coldness between them and me all that week. And it grieved me very much that that was there. I, I said to the girl later, I warned you. I knew this would happen because I've seen it before. What was wrong? The traditions that they had been taught to, to ignore certain scriptures and just believe other scriptures, even though it hadn't been said that way. That's where they were, and to receive a new scripture that would challenge what they believed, they totally reject. Water, put up a wall, it was there, be quiet, Howard. And so that was my experience. So I looked at some of the things that happens. When events outside our traditional background, it can produce fear. Luke 8, verse 37. All the people of the region of the Gadareans asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he gave in a boat and left. What's the story? It's the man with a, a, a legion of demons. He ran around naked. He cut himself. They chained him. They break the chains. He lived in tombs. People were afraid of him. But when Jesus came into the area, he came to Jesus, even though with his voice saying, get away from us, that's the demons, get away from us, in his physical body, he still came. In other words, I believe we can, if we want, overcome the demon in us, but we need to get them cast out. Jesus cast them out. The village, they went into the pigs, of course, down into the lake. However, the people in the town, when they heard it come out, they heard what happened. I'm sure they saw the pigs floating around out there in the lake and um, probably said, we'll have to drink that water. But um, it frightened them. And they said, Jesus, get away from here. Jesus didn't argue. He simply got in the boat and left. I love that. When people criticize you for your doctrine, don't get into an argument. Don't get fighting over the whole thing. Get in your boat and leave. Because a couple of chapters later, Jesus went back to that same place and the crowds came looking for him. Why? They had time to think about it. But what was it that caused such fear? I think it has to be, we don't do things like that. That man that was, was, was a maniac, that's not the way you deal with them. He didn't have any way to deal with them, to be honest with you. But fear caused them to drive the Savior, the healer, the deliverer away. Fear that it violates my, tra my traditions caused them to push back and leave the Holy Spirit to go somewhere else. Believe me, I know of churches that have literally declared from the pulpit, we will not have any of that spirit-filled peop people or that stuff in our congregation. And today they are dead. I can give you names. They're dead churches. 
Why? It's the spirit that brings life. They might say, we still have the word. Listen, somebody has said it this way. If you only have the word, you will dry up. If you only have the spirit, you'll blow up. You need both the word and the spirit. And that's what brings a healthy church. Without the spirit, the word of God doesn't do very much. I'm not saying it doesn't do anything, but it doesn't do what it could do because the charismatic movement of the 70s, history books are recording that more people were saved in that revival than any other revival that's ever been recorded. Thousands upon, no, millions, pardon me, came to the Lord at that time. I know I was in it, and we developed a ministry out of it. We saw the hundreds and hundreds coming to the Lord. You could preach on almost anything, there'd still be people that would come to the Lord and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we fear because it's a common response of our flesh to something we're not familiar with. And Luke 8 says, when Jesus had stilled the storm in the, in the boat with the disciples, and they said, oh, wow, what's that? Jesus said, where is your faith? He asked his disciples in fear and amazement. They asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water that obey him. It's amazing, both fear and amazement. What a combination. But what were they fearful of? There was things, at least in their old carnal nature, that resisted change, resisted something different. In Matthew 14, 26, the disciples saw Jesus walking on the lake when he was coming to them in the boat. They were terrified. Terrified is a little bit higher than fear, I think. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. The unusual, something different. We don't do that on Sunday mornings. We don't do things like that's different. That's, that's something we're not familiar with, so therefore it must be wrong. They were going through it. By the way, they didn't get rid of all that stuff until they get baptized in the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Now, it isn't wrong for that fear to be in there. It isn't wrong but it's wrong when it starts to control us. When we recognize that fear, we should do something about it. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2. He said, when I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. So there is a time when there's fear and, 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 and it's something in our flesh that I'm not sure what Paul did about his situation, but he was successful in the Corinthians by establishing church there through signs and wonders, it says. He established a church. So he got through his fear. In other words, I assume he said, I am not going to let fear tell me what I can't do here. There's another reason why people don't like the teaching of the Holy Spirit, and this has to do with even being the born-again experience as well. If you want to look at that, they don't want to accept New Testament teaching because it might mean they'll be rejected by their peers. And John 12, 42 says, Yet the same time, even among the leaders believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue 
Listen, do you want some names of people were baptized in the Spirit but refused to talk about it in their home church or in their house groups or their cell? They refuse because they're afraid of rejection. I don't know where they are today. But Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before man, I'll be ashamed of you before the Father. I don't want to take that chance. When Margaret and I, my wife, got, got saved, and filled, we got filled with the Spirit, I should say. We'd been saved before. Filled with the Spirit. A lot of our social club that we hung around with just disappeared. And um, I thank the Lord. Some of them have come back. Now recognize that God did a work in our lives and made a difference in our lives. But... I remember yet, for a while there, we thought we don't have any, anybody to hang out with at all. All right, let's go on. We must make a decision to not accept fear. The battle we rage is in our flesh, generally. It could be demonic, but it's in our flesh mostly. And again, I want to talk to you, as I have many other times, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Way back there's a teaching somewhere on controlling our thoughts. I elaborate on this a lot more. But let me tell you why it's here. The thoughts that come into our minds, whenever somebody says, you, are, you, uh, you could have more of the fullness of Jesus, if you opened yourself up, see, here's the scripture to show you. Open yourself up to the Holy Spirit. But you see, there's a thought there that says, oh, that's got to be wrong. Can't be right. I never heard this before. That was my thoughts. But you see, if the scripture says that he wants to baptize us in the Holy Spirit, Matthew talks about it. Mark talks about it. Luke talks about it. John not only talks about it, he says, this is what God said to me, the one I send, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So God talks about it. Jesus talks about it in Acts chapter 1. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians and again in the book of Ephesians. And he talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And yet people say, no, 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 no. Or we get under that teaching that says, oh, we received everything when we get saved. There are scriptures in 1 Corinthians, for example, when Paul says, you have, you have the Spirit of God when you were born again or when you get saved. Yes, that's true. The Corinthian church did. They get saved. They get water baptized. At another date, they may have got filled with the Spirit. They may have got filled with the Spirit if they had teaching when they get saved. But it says in, in Acts 26, it says, we receive the Holy Spirit by faith. So I wasn't, when I got saved at 13 and baptized, I wasn't taught about the Holy Spirit. So therefore, I had no faith. And if we receive it by faith, how could I have received it? Because I had no faith. I had no knowledge to base my faith on. Mm -hmm. 
So we believe our thoughts. And it's time we start saying to ourselves, I'm going to start just taking the word of God the way it is. And when people say, oh, you can't really adapt it to the 21st century, or that's really not Paul matter. Jesus wasn't really um, speaking to us. He was speaking to people of that. When we listen to all that garbage, it puts the thoughts in our minds that the scripture isn't for me. Yes, I know there's some verses that aren't for us today. For example, at the end of Paul's letters, he often says, pray for me while I'm in the chains of Christ in this prison. We don't have to do that today because Paul's in heaven now. But there's so many scriptures that apply to me and what I should be doing in order to receive all, all the power, all the blessing that God wants to give me. So not to make me rich, not to make me well-known, not to make me popular, but to spread the kingdom of God throughout this world. And we need to take the thoughts captive by speaking out what God has said. It's interesting. Many times in the Old Testament and the New Testament, with either the Lord or the angels appeared to people. The first thing they had to say to them was, do not be afraid. Said that to the Virgin Mary. Don't be afraid, Mary. Why? Because something unusual causes concern and fear in us. But you see, there, there is a point at that, living in that fear, we said, just a minute now, here's what the Word of God says. I don't have to fear that thing that has just happened. What would you do if an angel stood at the foot of your bed and woke you up in the middle of the night? Yes, sir. They, oh, what's the world's that? But then again, the Bible says that in Hebrews that the angels are sent. They're ministering spirits. Don't be surprised if they show up and make themselves visible. To increase your faith, to increase your, your, your love for the Lord, to minister to you. I'm not talking about false visions, false angels, because Satan can clothe himself to look like an angel. But out of your mouth, if you say to any angel, tell me about Jesus, who was he? They have to tell you the truth. If not, they're an evil spirit posing as an angel realize that our victory is trusting in the Lord. This is from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 6, verse 9. The history behind this, Nehemiah had been sent back by the Lord to rebuild Jerusalem so that the exiles in Babylon could come back to Jerusalem and reestablish what was left of Jew, what was left of Israel, which is the tribe of Judah and Benjamin, and um, the enemy back in Jerusalem was trying to stop Jeremiah, trying to discourage him, and and telling him you'll never get the wall rebuilt, you'll, you'll you'll never. And then they threatened him. They first of all came and offered to help, but Nehemiah knew it was a trick, and so they they um, threatened them and uh, and said and wrote letters against them and so on. Nehemiah says in 6 verse 9, they were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work 
and it will not be completed. But I prayed, Lord, strengthen my hands. In other words, they were trying to frighten us, Nehemiah said, by saying, oh, you'll never be able to do it. You just can't do it. You're just not strong enough. And do you know what Nehemiah knew? God had called him back. God had called him, so therefore he knew God would do it. So I'm sure Nehemiah, in his battle, he wrote and he says, we can do it. We can do it. He said to the Lord, strengthen our hands to do it. Do you know what happened in a few chapters later? It says, Nehemiah says, and I finished the wall. In spite of what the enemy was saying, I finished the wall. Why? He was not able, his workers were not able, but God was able. He hung on to the promise to make it happen. I like John the Baptist. In Luke chapter 1, John the Baptist's father, his name was Zechariah. And when, when John the Baptist was born, and um, Zechariah had been smitten mute, he couldn't speak for those nine months because he didn't believe God was going to give him a child because his wife was old, he was old. He was smitten dumb. And now when they asked him, what is the name of the child? He did what God had told him to do. And he said, I'll call him John. The minute he wrote that, then he could speak again. And he began to prophesy. Listen to his prophecy about the son that he had just seen born starting at verse 68 of Luke chapter 1. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And as he said to the holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hands of our enemies and to, and listen, and to enable us to serve him without fear, to rescue us from the hands of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. It's interesting because that fear hit John the Baptist when he was in prison where he doubted Jesus, but yet that prophecy said he would bring a people, at least some of them, to the place where they could serve the Lord because Jesus would be part of their life and they could serve him without fear. And what a blessing. See, God does not bring us into a place of slavery. He does not bring us into a place where we have to live in fear. And any fear, he wants to deliver us from fear of darkness, fear of height, fear of rejection, fear of going broke, fear of all those things. He wants to deliver us, but he wants more than anything else to start it out, deliver us from the fear of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit will do in our lives. If we can get deliverance from that junk, because we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we can get deliverance from a whole bunch of other stuff with the that is called fear. He says in Romans 8, 15, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. I am a son of God. My father in heaven, my daddy in heaven is looking after me. That's what the Holy Spirit 
ministers to me about. He confirms in me, says in 1 John, that I'm his child. And by him, by him, by the Holy Spirit, we cry out, Abba, Father. In our counseling experience, hundreds of people cannot call God Father because of bad fathering experiences here and there. Satan has so infiltrated our families where fathers have betrayed their children, molested, accused, um, verbally abused, physically abused, put them down, belittled them. So why should we call God something that gives us such bad memories? But the Holy Spirit can change that. I've seen it happen in many lives. It happened to a small degree in my life. It wasn't as serious as many others. It happened to a small degree where I could embrace him as my father. Daddy, can I sit up in your lap tonight? I'm hurting. Would you take me up in your lap and hold me and let me arm my arms around your waist and love on you, Father, because I'm hurting and I need to be healed. I've, one night, I've, there was actually a feeling. It was like warm oil just flowed all the way down my body. And I went back to bed totally and completely healed and restored. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying he'll do exactly the same for you. But you can try it if you want. Sit up in his lap. Ask him to. Sit up in his lap. Go to him and say, Father, hold me. Hold me like a, 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 a true daddy would hold his little child. Hold me. I don't care how old you are. You need to be held if you're still hurting. And you see it. The fear that I'm not going to obey my God. I'm not going to obey my Father. I'm not going to be good enough. All the stuff that surrounds our Christian walk that we're, we're failing, we're, we've, we've done something to offend him, and oh dear, and some denomination have tried to discard that by saying, oh, once you're saved, you're always saved. Don't worry about that. Well, it doesn't work out of Scripture. Hebrew to make it very clear that we're not always saved, that we heard the good word and yet fall away. There's no more sacrifice for it. Not because we're, if we come back in repentance, I believe there is, but if we fall away, if we reject the word of God, we've made a decision. We don't want to be a Christian. There's no repentance for people that don't want to be a Christian. Jesus came in Hebrews 2, verse 14 and 15. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death. God had to destroy that in me, the power of death. That is the devil. And, the, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. You can be delivered from that fear. You can be. Let me talk to you about the boldness of the Holy Spirit, and then I'm finished. In, in John 20, it says that their disciples are in this room all locked up and, and scared as can be because they're afraid they're going to be arrested like Jesus was. And Acts chapter 1, verse 13 to 15 says there's 120 of them in one room. It says back in John, all the doors and the windows were locked so nobody, the, the, the soldiers couldn't get in. 
But in Acts chapter 2, after they're filled with the Holy Spirit, man, things broke loose. They must have kicked those doors open and broke those windows out because all the people in Jerusalem started to hear them, started to see their, 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 their dancing and their jubilation. They, as a matter of fact, they were so wild, they accused them of being drunk. But you see, they started to hear the testimony of Jesus in their own language. And I'll tell you something, God wants to give you a boldness of the Holy Spirit like what he gave them. Father, this is your Holy Spirit. You have given it 2,000 years plus a year. You gave your Holy Spirit. Forgive us, Lord, for not accepting him. Forgive us, Lord, for not embracing his work in us. We ask you, Lord God, that many listening to this will start to hunger and thirst after more of you, Lord God, that they'll want to give their lives to you in the name of Jesus. We do thank you, my Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen.